What's going on, Panthers Nation? Carolina Dad here, your host of the Two Growls, One Roar podcast. I'm feeling much better, much better after you let this thing marinate a little bit, take a few days off, and realize things are going to be okay. At least I hope they are. Until we heard the news that happened this week, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I'm going to be previewing the Carolina Panthers versus the New Orleans Saints. And if you listened to the last episode, you heard me make a mistake. I am human and I make mistakes. Shout out to my father-in-law who pointed it out well in advance of me actually getting it out there. So I uploaded the video to YouTube. I did like their premiere. And when it's popping up, he left a comment like, dude, y'all played the Falcons this past week. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. I had... I had said I was uh, given a recap of the Panthers versus Saints. I just want to say I was running off three or four hours of sleep. Pearson had a rough night the night before Saturday. So Sunday, watched the game. I recorded it like 10 o'clock at night. I was exhausted. I was just exhausted. So hopefully you'll bear with me. This week we are going to preview the Saints now that they're actually here. Got a big Monday night football matchup here in the Carolinas. First Monday night football game in five years. So the last time the Panthers hosted Monday night football at Bank of America Stadium was in 2018. It was a late December game against the New Orleans Saints, a game in which we lost 9-12. to Before that, we had hosted the Miami Dolphins in 2017 and then we were on the road for Monday, Monday Night Football in 2016. So it's been a while. The Panthers this year getting an opportunity to showcase to the world who we are. And I think a lot of that had to do with the Bryce Young, Frank Wright, Thomas Brown, A.J. Rivero, Chris Tabor. I'm not going to name everyone. But it had to do with that. And week one's in the books. We lost. We looked bad. We looked bad. In a lot of places, we had a lot of positives that I talked about. We're moving on to week two. Week two is here. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with some awesome New Orleans Saints fans. And I say that like wholeheartedly. So as a fan of the Carolina Panthers, I know they're one of our biggest rivalries. You can throw them, you know, New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But being able to talk to fans of other teams is a great opportunity just to hear what other people think about the Panthers. Because I tell you what, I got on that show and I got on that show and I want to make sure I actually give everyone the correct coverage here. So it's BSN Beer Media is their Twitter handle. Great guys. It was Dale and Craig, two New Orleans Saints fans. And they were scared. You know, even with us losing in week one, they are scared of what the Carolina Panthers can be, what we have on defense with Derek Brown, Brian Burns. I'd love to say with 
J.C. Horn, J.C. Horn's out. Talk about that in a minute. But they were, you know, coming into this thinking that they were going to lose the game. So even with all the negativity that I think we've seen and felt over this past week, just know that on the outside, you know, teams are looking at us a little bit differently than they have in years past, which is a good thing. But uh, if you want to go out, check out their podcast. It's just BS and Beer Media. Give them a follow. And I also got to talk to Roll Coverage, which is another Carolina Panthers podcast. So Nick or Nicholas Mick, uh, McCandles, McCandles, sorry about that. Try to say that right. So his, his is just Roll Coverage Pod. You can search for him on Twitter, YouTube. Had great takes on the Carolina Panthers as well. We were pretty much on the same page. But it's cool talking to him because I've talked to a lot of, you know, ends of the spectrum when it when it comes to Carolina Panthers fans. A lot more optimistic folks than pessimistic. And we get on there with Nick and Nick's like, yeah, this is a four-win team and we're terrible. And, you know, just to have that difference of opinion even within the same the, the this fan base is it's it's nice because you sit here all day and for me personally I don't have a co-host it's just me so it's reading what you guys say getting my own opinions and rolling with it and I'm always leaning towards the positive in every situation but to have someone who's like yeah we're terrible like it kind of sets you back and makes you like oh yeah maybe I can uh readjust or ratchet down what I think Heading into this week, I will talk about the prediction when we get into the game, but it's no better place to start than to take a look at the transactions because it has just been a busy week. We have some unfortunate news when it comes to the injury report, which we'll talk about in a second, someone going on IR. So I'm actually going to take a step back and look or talk about uh, the September 8th move. So we signed... Chandler Wooten to the active roster. I believe that move happened before I previewed the Atlanta Falcons. So I just want to make sure I start there. Then we had a flurry of moves. I mean, it felt like, are we like back in free agency in the off season? So September 11th, we, we made quite a few changes. So we signed tackle David Sharp to the active roster from the practice squad We'll find out why in just a minute, but I feel like a lot of teams probably were looking at him. We signed cornerback DiCaprio Boodle to the practice squad. A lot of moves at cornerback this week, considering the health of J.C. Horn. And I mean, we might as well say it while we're here. J.C. Horn suffered a significant hamstring injury. The significance of that injury has not been specified yet. He has not been placed on IR there's a lot of reports and hearing from from Frank Wright this week. He could miss significant time and surgeries on the table. Moving him to IR is on the table. Does that mean he would be out for the season? We don't know. It's just unfortunate, man. J.C. Horn has not had a lot of opportunity here. He has looked in spurts when he's able to play one of the best corners in the league. And it's these non-contact injuries we saw it happen to Aaron Rodgers earlier this week, and there's this whole push by the NFL Players Association to get these turf fields out of there. But as a as a billionaire owner of a franchise, why do you want to you know implement a grass field? The opportunity with a turf field, and I'm not speaking about football, 
Look at the expansion that they've been able to do, whether it's bringing in a soccer team, specifically here in the Carolinas with MLS, Charlotte FC. So David Tepper's raking in the money there. He's got concert venues or concerts that are able to come in. Much easier to set up a field or a a stadium for a concert venue when it's artificial turf and you're not having to worry about the wear and tear of the grass. So a lot of upside. And even Frank Wright talked about it like he... He's got this fine line he has to walk between the players and the owner, keeping both of them satisfied without sticking his foot in his mouth, and that's what we've seen. So the status of J.C. Horn, he's not been put on IR. I'd say he's going to be out for quite a while, and that was you know coming directly from, from Frank Wright. So we're going to have to have some folks step up, specifically C.J. Henderson is going to be, and Troy Hill are going to be the guys that are stepping up. But going back, so we really, this is again back to September 11th. We've released defensive lineman Taylor Stallworth from the practice squad, signed a defensive end, Chris Wormley to the practice squad. You may, hey, remember Deion Jones? We signed him back to the practice squad. So there was just a ton of activity. On the 12th, we released wide receiver Desmond Patton, who we just signed recently. We signed cornerback Lamar Jackson. Yes, you heard that, cornerback Lamar Jackson. I joked with Nolan as soon as this happened, and I texted him, and I said, oh, my gosh, we got Lamar, Lamar Jackson. And it wasn't a lie, <laughs> but he was. I think he was at school. So he, by the, I sent a follow-up and was like, dude, we got a cornerback, Lamar Jackson. Funny story as we talk about that. My wife, a few years ago, was looking at the cameo things, and looked up Lamar Jackson, and it was this Lamar Jackson, and realized that she had gotten the wrong one, or was going to get the wrong one. She didn't get the cameo. She asked me about it, but realized when his price was super cheap that she had the wrong one. Uh, then the biggest news of the week, besides J.C. Horn, I think we all knew J.C. Horn was going to be hurt, or was hurt. Brady Christensen has been placed on IR. So at a minimum, he is out for four games. Now, I saw Mike K of the Charlotte Observer saying that he heard Brady is going to be out for the year. That's significant. You know, having both of your starting guards out, missing significant time. We know Austin's working his way back. We've got Chandler Zavala in his spot. So someone's going to have to step up now on the opposite side. One of the other things that came up is that Chandler Zavala played left guard in college. That was his primary position. Played a little bit with Icky, who's on the left side as well. But right, uh, Frank Wright said that you know Zavala is going to be sticking to the right side at least for now. So that means that Throckmorton, Nash Jensen, Cade Mays, one of those guys is going to be stepping up into that position. And we'll kind of look at our our current roster here in a minute. So after that, we also placed cornerback Stanley Thomas Oliver on the practice squad IR. I'm not sure what happened. And I should say Brady Christensen's injury was a bicep injury that happened late in the game. He actually played through it and nobody really knew about it. So that's kind of why, you know, coming into this, everyone was pretty surprised. We released running back Spencer Brown from the practice squad. Uh, hate that. He was, he was good back. You know, he didn't make the cut for the team, but really liked his versatility then we went out and signed wide receiver Michael Strachan, not Strahan, but Strachan to the practice squad. Signed former Bears special teamer, pro bowler, North Carolina A&T Aggie, Tariq Cohen to the practice squad. 
He had a pretty significant ACL injury in 2020. He's been working his way back, went through a workout, ends up getting signed. Heard from Chris Tabor today. No timeline for when he will be moved up, but we can fully anticipate, in my opinion, him getting up onto the active roster soon. We need his help in the punt return game. I think Chris Tabor said that he had set a record for most punt return yards at the time. This was back in like 2018, almost 400 yards or something like that. And we haven't seen that since. Considering what we saw in special teams with, and has, you know, nothing against Smith Marset, but Amir, it's nothing against him. But I think having a veteran back there will make a difference. And then we signed cornerback Sam Webb. So Sam Webb was signed to the active roster. So quite a few moves. I mean, these are moves. A team that a team that knows they have the ability to win is going to go out and make these moves. It also could be seen as desperation, but at the same time, we're just for what is available, I think they're doing everything that they can. The other question that's coming up is, uh, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, veteran wide receivers that are available. When we talk about the weaknesses of this team, we look at the wide receiver performance from last week. A lot of that had to do with the performance or, or inability to really get the deep ball going. And even Bates, who had the two interceptions, stated that in his press conference this week that, he was able to to kind of cheat, and Reich even said it. Like he was able to break some of the rules that you would have at safety because he knew we couldn't get over the top. We tried, we tried to make a few plays, they just didn't connect. Having DJ Chark, and we'll talk about Chark in a second. Hopefully, he is from what we've heard from Mike K and a few others this week. Mike K, you know, word for word, saying that Chark said he's going to be good, but you know, waiting for that final decision that they'll let him go, let him suit up, I should say. Chark is the deep threat. He's the vertical threat that we need. We saw that a lot in training camp. You know, even when we were there, he was the guy that could get over the top. Having someone to to sit there or be able to get over the top of the defense really does make a difference. And I really hope that he is back. So there you go. Now let's talk about the injury report for the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. J.C. Horn is listed on the injury report. Uh, Hamstring injury. He did not practice today. And this was the first time it was released. This is Thursday. Game status, I mean, he's out. Uh, There's no way for it to be this significant. You can already, already knock that. DJ Chark is listed on here. He did have a limited practice. A limited participation in practice. And then Taylor Moten starting right tackle had a bicep injury he also had a limited practice so man just kind of banged up not how you want to start the season but what we've heard from every coach that's talked this week and the players is it it really is next man next man up frank wright likes to say you know this is a 69 man roster not a 53 man roster I talked about it last, you know, building up to creating this podcast. I talked about this in my experience last year. Last year, what I've told folks was it was really my first year truly understanding the dynamics of the team and who's active and inactive 
and how many of these practice squad or rotational guys get in and have significant impact. Like Reich said, we may see everyone, every single player that's on the practice squad up at some point during this year. I think that's very true. So much better though, you know, comparing it to last week, minus the significant injuries with IR. If we go back to week one, you know, we had DJ Chark. He's still on there, but should be ready to go. Deshaun Williams was on there. He's not on there anymore. Sam Franklin, Terrace Marshall, Adam Thielen, and Amir Smith-Marset. So all those guys are off. So, so a few more added, but I think in reality, JC is the, probably the biggest one. On the New Orleans Saints guys, they got a few guys banged up as well. JT Gray, defensive back, battling a shoulder injury. He was limited in practice. And I should say all of the Saints players were limited in practice this week. The, the ones I'm going through are so far. Kendra Miller is running back, hamstring. Ryan Ramsick, offensive tackle. He just had a rest day. A lot of these veterans get those. Jimmy Graham had a rest day. And then Jawan Johnson, who's a tight end, uh, calf, had a limited practice. So this is your Thursday update. You can follow along Friday and Saturday to get the latest and greatest news. And so let's take a look at the projected starting lineup for the Carolina Panthers. We've got wide receiver, if available, DJ Chark, left tackle, Ikiakuanu, left guard, as I mentioned, is up for grabs. We I would love to see Nash Jensen get a shot. Nash Jensen, undrafted rookie. So if you think about having Chandler Zavala and Nash Jensen, two rookies plus Icky, that is a very solid foundation for a young offensive line to get that experience. I could see the, the, the coaches going with the veteran, though. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton, who played for the Saints, you know, having his availability and experience, you know, we may just roll with the veteran now or giving Cade Mays a shot. So I think it's really out of that group of three, one of them, one of them's gonna have to step up. Center, Bradley Bozeman, right guard, Chandler Zavala, right tackle, right tackle, excuse me, Taylor Moten. The only two offensive linemen I didn't mention as backups are David Sharp and Ricky Lee. Tight ends, Ian Thomas, Hayden Hurst. We saw uh, Giovanni Ritchie in the backfield a little bit last week, and Tommy Trimble. Wide receiver, you have Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, and then backing them up, Amir Smith-Marset, LaVisca Chenault. We saw LaVisca in a lot of the, the pistol formation as well. Your quarterback, Bryce Young, Andy Dalton, Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear. On the defensive front, Ijero Ivero talked about this today, was just the number of reps that our defensive line got and the reps in general across the board. We heard, you know, Derek Brown getting a lot of, you know, you want to be able to, to, to give guys some rest so that late in games are able to, to be a little bit fresh or more fresh, I should say. Right now we have Derek Brown, Shy Tuttle, and Deshaun Williams. That's your three on the front. LeBrian Ray and Nick Thurman are your backups. Outside linebacker, Brian Burns and Justin Houston. Justin Houston kind of throttled down a little bit, but apparently he talked to the coaches and said he wants to get more reps and said, you know, don't don't limit me. And so Avero said, okay. So you could see him a little bit more. 
And then backing them up, Etor Grossmatos, DJ Johnson, Mari Barno. Linebacker, Frankie Louvu and Shaq Thompson, your starters, Chandler Wooten, Kamu Gruger Hill, and then Claudin Cherilis, your backups. Claudin Cherilis is a rookie. I'd be interested to see if we start to see him a little bit, just either on special teams or a little more play, because he was claimed off of waivers back when we had our, our waiver claims. Starting cornerback, I'm going to peg in C.J. Henderson over J.C. Horn and then Dante Jackson. That would leave Troy Hill, Deshaun Jamison. Could also, we have Sam Webb, could also mean someone from the practice squad gets elevated. You know, I don't know how close Sam's going to be to, to getting ready this first week. Your safeties, Xavier Woods and Von Bell with Jamie Robinson and Sam Franklin Jr. backing them up. And then your nickelback, Jeremy Chin and Troy Hill. Special teams, as it is today, Raheem Blackshear taking your kicks and punts. Well, last week we saw Amir taking some, the punts. Long snapper, Jansen, punter and holder, Johnny Hecker. And then your kicker, Eddie Pinheiro. So let's take a look now at the New Orleans Saints. Starting off, try to get this pulled up here. We can go through their depth charts. And again, the way we do this is we, we primarily focus on their starters. Starting at receiver, this, you know, we start to think about the game plan for this week, or if I'm them, they've got a lot of weapons, a lot of receivers. We've got a weakness in the defensive back room now and cornerbacks. It could be a heyday for Derek Carr. And go, the, the one good thing when you think about the grand scheme of how we scheme for this game, Ijero Ivero, coach for the Broncos last year, faced Derek Carr twice. So he does have that experience against Carr. I know it's a new scheme, new offense, all that, but still. So wide receiver, you have Michael Thomas, left tackle, Trevor Penning, left guard, James Hurst, center, Eric McCoy, right guard, Cesar Ruiz. Ryan Ramchick, right tackle, Jawan Johnson, tight end, wide receiver, Chris Olave, quarterback, Derek Carr, running back, Jamal Williams, fullback, Adam Princess, uh, Rashid Shahid had the lone touchdown last week. They also have rookie A.T. Perry, who is on my draft board way back. It's just like being able to call some of these guys out that I followed through this whole process, backup quarterback, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill moved all around. That is your starting lineup. On the defensive side of the ball, you have Carl Granderson at right defensive end. Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard are your defensive tackles. Cameron Jordan, who just seems to be here for forever. You know, they talked to, uh, when we were talking to the Saints guys, they're like, hey, you can uh, let Brian Burns go. I feel the same way about Cameron Jordan. He's been wreaking havoc for years. Great player. Great guy, too, from, from what I've seen. You got your Will linebacker, Pete Werner, middle linebacker, Demario Davis, your Sam linebacker, Zach Bond, left cornerback, Paulson Adebo. Strong safety, Marcus May. Free safety, who we've seen have some, uh, some slack. Tyron Matthew. And then right cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore. 
This is a team that last week, I believe, had three interceptions, opportunities around. I mean, they were playing the Tennessee Titans, which we'll talk about here, but hey, punter, they have Lou Headley, kicker, Blake Group, long snapper, Zach Wood, Rashid Shahid is your punt returner and kick returner. So there you go. I wanted to see what they've done. They have not been as active. If you go out and look at their transactions, they have not been as nearly as active as we have over this past week. It's been a lot going on. So there you go. All right, y'all. So here we go. Heading into our week two matchup. Monday night football against the New Orleans Saints. Let me give you the kickoff is at 7.15 on ESPN. Now, this is a Monday night football doubleheader. So there's two games on following our game. Or sorry, an hour later at 8.15, the Browns and the Steelers kick off on ABC. So there's going to be two games going a little early kickoff. Um, And then next week, I mean, just to we're not on there, but next week they have a doubleheader as well. I mean, hey. Go ahead and rake in your money while you can, I guess. All right. Let's talk about game time. Bank of America Stadium. The New Orleans Saints come into this game 1-0, having defeated the Tennessee Titans. My father-in-law told me about this great resource. If you have not looked it up on YouTube, you can search any of the NFL games, and there's condensed versions. So I went back and watched the condensed version of the Saints-Titans so it's not the same, you know, being able to watch, sit down and watch the full game, but it does give you the, the bits and pieces. And it seemed to be kind of a slugfest on the defensive side of the ball throughout, you know, with Saints capitalizing on turnovers. And I actually was going to go back and look at the box score. I'm going to talk about some of the, the highlights here in a second. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get it pulled up. But uh, it was a kind of a slugfest. There was a blocked punt. The blocked punt was kind of the difference. And then very late in the game, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little more detail here. But late in the game, it was, you know, Tennessee scored all field goals. So the box score, it was six to three, nine to six at halftime. New Orleans scores 10 unanswered, which makes it 16 and then, or 16 to nine. Tennessee gets two field goals driving late, and they just couldn't stop the Saints. Saints had like a third, and I don't know if it was five or six, and ended up calling a go route. And there's actually a really cool video online where you can see Derek Carr talking to his receiver, telling him to go run the go route. And of course, that go route ends up being what secures the game. It's pretty close. Looking at the box score, which is what I was trying to get to in the, in the stats here very quickly, Ryan Tannehill for the Saints was 16 of 34, 198 yards, did have the three interceptions, and was sacked three times. Not a great game. Derek Carr, decent game, 23 out of 33, 305 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, and four sacks. Rushing-wise, Saints didn't get a lot going. I think we will be able to slow them down much, much easier than we did with the Atlanta Falcons. They had uh, 27 carries on 69 yards. Tennessee was able to get it going with Derrick Henry a little bit. 22 total carries, 104 yards for the team. 
And then receiving-wise, DeAndre Hopkins, the leading receiver for the Titans, 7 for 65. They did not score a touchdown. And then for the Saints, getting the ball spread around well. So Chris Olave, Rashid, Shahid, Michael Thomas, Juwan Johnson, Jamal Williams all getting involved. We saw Tyson Hill targeted but did not get a reception. On the defensive side of the ball, DeMario Davis was the leading tackler with 10 total tackles for the, for the Saints, 9 solo. Pete Warner had 8 and 3 solo tackles, half a sack. Cameron Jordan, half a sack. Carl Granderson, one and a half sacks. Kind of sums it up. Marcus May, Marshawn Lattimore, and Paulson Adebo had your three interceptions. We talked about the return game and kicking game. So let's take a look. Let's kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Here we are. So the Panthers are 28 and 29 all time against the Saints. They have a 14 and 14 record at home. The last time they played, the Panthers won. So it was late uh, last year. So here you go. We talked a little bit about their game. The Saints, honestly, were pretty slow in the first half. Took them a while to get going. They were giving up quite a few sacks. They did block the Tennessee punt. They even got after Tannehill a little bit as well on the defensive side of the ball. But it seems like after halftime, and you could see it you know, with the score, they cleaned clean things up, shut them out in the third quarter, and put up 10 points. Also did not give up any more sacks. So kind of got that under control for Derek Carr and the offense. I wouldn't say they ran away with the game, you know, because it really was back and forth. And for whatever reason, Tennessee just couldn't convert. They couldn't get things across the line into the end zone, and that was the difference. We know on the New Orleans Saints side of the ball that they've got Derek Carr, Jamal Williams running back who came over from the Lions. He actually had a very solid year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he had a little more success. Last year he had 17 touchdowns, 1,000 rushing yards, but he was stifled a little bit uh, by the Tennessee Titans defense. Chris Olave was a really big asset and target last year. I anticipate him having more of a, a breakthrough this game as well. And just being able to spread the ball around. I mean, when you think about what's going to, you know, the strategy for this game, I can see or envision Derek Carr coming out throwing for 300, 350 yards on the uh, Panthers Saints crossover podcast that we did this week. There was a bet made, not by me, but by the other two guys to uh, that Derek Carr would or would not throw for 300 yards. And I I think he's going to hit that mark. You can see it on the big chunk plays. That's something that the Panthers lacked, an inability to to hit those down downfield plays. Now, a lot of that could change bringing on DJ Chark to be able to open up the field. Absolutely a possibility. And it's funny as we talk about the game plan and, you know, what we have for this week, I feel better. I feel better about where we are. I talked about, you know, previewing the preseason, the importance of winning and splitting these games. I'm going to be honest. When I went on the crossover podcast earlier this week, I predict, predicted a Panthers loss. I think I said 27 to 14 doesn't feel right, right? Like it doesn't feel right, you know, throwing out Panthers losses, but there's 
a lot of things that have to to go our way on the Panther side of the ball. I mean, one of them is just not turning the, the football over. I actually think we need to simplify the offense. It's funny because I talked and joked about the vanilla offense that we had. But I'm going to tell you, you know, lining up in the pistol on fourth down and then running it. Here's the thing. We don't have Cam Newton back there. We don't have Josh Allen. We don't have Tua Tukavailoa, Jalen Hurts, whoever you want to say, Lamar Jackson, really speaking of the, the bigger quarterbacks. We don't have a quarterback back there that can line up under center and get you a yard. So when you have Bryce Young lining up in shotgun on fourth and one, he's five yards back. You have the back behind him at seven yards, and you're trying to run up the middle. I mean, the logistics of that, like they know what's coming. Yeah, there's an opportunity where maybe you do a pop pass to a tight end or something like that, but that's not it. Teams are going to be able to strategize against that. I think that's how teams are going to play us too. If I if it's fourth and one and I see Bryce back there, I know Bryce isn't taking the quarterback sneak. It's he's just not. So you really got an opportunity for a run. Is it coming inside? Is it going to left? Is it going right? Or is it going to be a play action pass where they take a gamble? In most instances it's going to be a run. So you you pinch down or you get in there and you stop them, which is what we've seen. We talked about the gadgetry, the motions and things. And, you know, I went, went back and watched some of the film, the coaches film that they put out and like the motions, I get it. I get it for Bryce being able to understand the reads or the the setup of the defense. But at the same time, let's not get too, too crazy with it. You know, having LaVisca moving in and out, I was not a fan of, it was kind of like a wish inverted wishbone with the pistol where you had Giovanni Ritchie, LaVisca, and then Miles or Chuba Hubbard with Bryce. That's just not, not a great package. Like just line up. I mean, it's funny. You talk about offense. Nolan had his game and I feel like I have to just keep y'all updated on the status of his season. They had a game last night. They lost. We were talking to my father or my father-in-law got to make the journey. Shout out to him, man. Four and a half hours, made it over to watch. They lost the game, so they're one and one, just so you know. But uh, we were talking about the offense that our team was running and like, why don't you just get in the I formation and run? And you got your lead blocker. Stop trying to be fancy. Like the Panthers have four tight ends. They have a a true fullback like would don't overthink this. Do not overthink this. I would love to see Frank Wright turn over the keys to Thomas Brown. I love Wright, but sometimes having too much control or say in some of these things, like you're the head coach. You hired an offensive coordinator to run the offense. You're there for the larger decisions to decide if we go for it, decide if we punt, understanding the the larger flow of the game, let your offensive coordinator, who is bright-minded, man, I tell you, you hear from all three of these coaches, and I'll keep saying it, future head coaching candidates. Thomas Brown reminds me a lot of Mike Tomlin. If you've had a chance to listen to him, very smart, understands the offense, understands how to talk to the media. He's ready. He's ready. So I really hope what we learn is that Frank Wright turns it over. And what's the worst that can happen? You're 0-1. Let Thomas Brown call the first half, let him call the first quarter, the first drive. And guess what? You don't even have to say that he's going to call it. You can let him, he works with you on the script and let 
you know, you call it in however you want, you know, you want it to work, but give them a chance. Cause I think what we've seen in the preseason and I know it's the preseason, but when he was calling the plays in the second half, this offense was more fluid. He had a better understanding of what's happening. It's not to say that Reich's not a great, great quarterback, coach, a great coach in general, and no one's calling for his job, but you've, you've got to talk about being able to, to, make, to, to have that opportunity for Brown, in my opinion. So final predictions, and then I'm going to close it out with a new segment from the fans, but uh, final, final prediction. So I said 27-14 earlier this week. I really want the Panthers to win. I mean, I want them to win every game. It's hard for me just with the with what's happened this week. Backs against the wall. Brian Burns still isn't getting paid. We know he's going to play through it though, so not not that significant. I'm going to pick the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to adjust the score. I think it'll be a little bit closer. I'm going to go 27, 24. Panthers lose a heartbreaker last second field goal. So there you go. So I am picking the Panthers losing this week just for those at home tracking, you know, saying or wondering if I'm ever going to pick them to lose. Here you go. (laughs) And as I say all this, I'm watching, you know, some of our our a future opponent in the Minnesota Vikings getting pretty much demolished by the, the Eagles. And as we close this out, so I posted this on X earlier today. And I asked if anyone had any predictions, questions, or things they'd like me to cover. So Craig Wright, he's one of the, the guys I talked to. Now I should give you his tag. It's Callie Cajun67. He is a New Orleans Saints fan. He was one of the guys on the pod. And he said, how does the banged-up secondary match up with Olave, Thomas, Shaid? And what are, how are we going to you know make a difference? And I kind of talked about that, and that's a great question. I think we are going to have to rely on the pass rush being able to get to Derek Carr, but Derek Carr is going to be able to get the ball out fast. There's no doubt that he has the ability to do that. I still think Derek Carr, all things considered, is a good quarterback. And I talked about it in the offseason of, you know, he was an option here in the Carolinas that I was vying for. Like if, if we were not going to draft or move up, like bringing him over. So I'm scared of Derek Carr in his arm. He can sling it. So if we are not able to get a solid pass rush on him and get him to the ground, he's going to have a filled day because we have seen what C.J. Henderson looks like in coverage and whether he gives up the big play, it's a pass interference or whatever it is, like it's not good. <laughs> not saying that he's not going to play good. I'm just saying what we've seen. And then we'll start uh, Mark Ryan. And so Mark Ryan actually is on CBS Sports Radio. He runs the Fan Upstate. His uh, X or Twitter tag is Mark, M-A-R-C, Ryan on air. So, so look him up. I think he's got a few few shows in the Upstate. 92.9 The Game talks a lot about college football and the Panthers. But he sent in a question and he said regarding the play uh regarding Equanu play and JC's lack of availability is Scott Fitter's draft record beginning to come into question and yeah i mean i think so and we know we know this fitter's been here for what two two and a half years most of it with Matt Rule we also heard from fitter a few weeks ago that he takes 
full responsibility that it's like a team decision for the draft picks that were made. He wasn't putting it all on that rule, which is a good it's the thing you do. But it does have to come into question when you start saying or looking at the attrition that's happened with the draft picks that we brought in, the lack of development, the lack of being able to hit on some of these. And Icky, I think Icky's fine. Icky's going to be all right. The offensive line, and even Reich said they had a great, great week. So I think Icky's a big hit. JC Horn, he's just been injury prone. He's been glass and like, I don't know how you truly can scout that. Like, how do you see that this player is going to be injury prone or no? So I think those two guys specifically, like they don't move the needle for me, you know, getting, getting mad with Scott Fitter. It's a lot of these other guys like the Brandon Smiths, Chai Smith guys that we have brought in that didn't even end up making NFL rosters. It's it's hard to imagine that. Like a lot of the guys that we drafted over these last few years, we cut this past offseason, and then they don't get picked up by other teams. I mean, you can even think about you think about some of the moves he's made this year, training up for DJ Johnson. Dude traded away a draft pick for a guy that is not even seeing the field, who's the third string at his position. And yeah, you gotta start questioning some of those moves. I've said that he's going to be on the hot seat if if he doesn't start getting this right. And I think you saw his anxiety levels going up a little bit this this week with all the moves that he made. I don't know. I don't know. Much, much to be desired. I think he's still got a little bit of time, though. But you do, and when we talked about the, the joint podcast this week, like Nick, the other Panthers fan, said... You would have liked to see like a clean slate in the front office for Frank Wright. And I kind of agree with that. Like, in a way, I get, you know, rules. No, here we go. I say rule. Tepper's ties to fitter and rules, but you have to give your coach a chance with a guy that he wants. And I'm not saying all this as excuses, it's just kind of the, the way that I'm thinking about it. Well, all right, y'all. That is all I got for tonight. I hope you enjoy. Keep pounding, and hopefully these Carolina Panthers are going to win when I talk to you next.